you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. The ChrisVossShow.com. Welcome to the big show. My family and friends, as always, bringing you two to three shows a day, two to three, 10 to 15 shows a week. What more do you want from us, people? Jesus Christ, there's so many brilliant minds and people on the show. Uh, it just expanding your mind to a level that is unbeknownst to humankind in any way, shape, or form. We're literally changing the brain size. Uh, of humanity and that's what uh, the geologists are telling us when they're digging up the old skulls that had listened to the show from the last 15 years they're finding that their brain size increased that or it could be the brain damage in the blood the uh, brain bleeding or whatever it is one of those two we think they're smarter but because of it and there's no way to know unless you try it first remember there's a 30-day trial on all the chris Foss show episodes and uh uh, if uh, money with a money back guarantee, if you're not smarter at the end of 30 days, we'll go back and listen to all the shows. Damn it. What the hell were you thinking in the first place? Chris Voss show the family loves you. Make sure that you support the family. Go to goodreads.com for chess, Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com for chess, Chris Voss, YouTube.com for chess, Chris Voss on TikTok, TikTok one, Chris Voss, Chris Voss one, I should say TikTok, uh, and follow us and support the show over there. Refer it to your family, friends and relatives. Give us a five star review over there as well we have an amazing gentleman on the show and he's gonna be talking to us about real estate investing uh and some of the incredible things he's done to build his business so you're going to learn a lot about stuff like being an entrepreneur building companies etc etc uh we have venkat avasarala on the show today did i get that right venkat yeah venkat avasarala there you go. Uh, and he is joining us on the show. To, he's the founding and managing principal at Stryker Properties, LLC. And uh, he is a seasoned real estate professional. His main focus is uh, ground-up development of market-rate multifamily properties and acquiring value-added workforce housing multifamily properties in landlord-friendly Sunbelt states. Uh, he's developing 2,700 Multifamily units in DFW, Austin, and Phoenix. Uh, he also has acquired 3,600 existing apartment units since 2016. He's managing $150 million in investor equity and has over $900 million in assets under management. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Chris. There you go. That's quite an impressive executive summary you have there. Uh, how long have you been doing this? Uh, since 2016. There you go. Since 2016. I wasn't sure if that was just the acquired. So uh, this is going to be an awesome discussion to find out how you built these amazing companies. Some of your thoughts on what the real estate market is doing. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Uh, Strikerproperties.com. S-T-R-Y-K-E-R properties.com. There you go. And uh, so give us a 30,000 overview of Stryker com, uh, Properties in your words and kind of uh, kind of some of your thoughts on it, you know, what you want people to know in a uh, big synopsis. Yeah, in a nutshell, what we do is lately what we've been up to is uh, we're building Class A multifamily apartments. Uh, class A meaning affluent areas, luxury product, 
because as you know, the home affordability is is going down every single day. Uh, yeah. An entry level home is like half a million dollars in any major metro. And a lot of people don't have the 20% to put down, let alone afford the mortgage payment for 30 years with yeah. the mortgage rates at seven, seven and a half percent right now, right? Mm. And young people are wanting to rent now because the demographics have vastly changed over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the baby boomers coming who are downsizing, don't want those house, they want to live in apartments, but the young people, they're getting married late. Um, and also a lot of people are staying single, even with kids. And then people, some people are choosing not to have kids, right? So no longer you absolutely need to have that big house like mm -hmm. we thought, right? And also affordability is another thing. And uh, also gig economy is up. Nobody, uh, the young people especially, is not very keen on doing nine to five. They want to be live here in this metro for a couple of years, couple of years there. So mm -hmm. for all these people renting class A apartments with highly amenitized apartments is the way to go. And we are filling it that need. And I'm doing my part in DFW Austin and Phoenix. There you go. Uh, and it's interesting. I guess the models really changed, maybe with remote working as well and, and people yeah. wanting to be more mobile. Uh, I guess some of those, are, you know, you a lot of people complain about how they can't afford houses, but it sounds like a lot of the metrics and statistics around what people want to do is it vastly changed from the old world. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, and also, right, if you see the construction costs, um, especially after COVID, everything is just worth like 30, 40, 50% more than what used to be. And people are not making 30, 40, 50% more than what they made before pandemic. Mm -hmm. This is norm in the rest of the world. Uh, US was the only place where we had, we had affordable housing, but no longer that's the case. So we are kind of becoming like every other country, every other developed OECD country out there. Um, so nothing out of the ordinary, we are just reverting to the mean. Um, uh, so to speak. Uh, but yes, I mean, the, the struggle is real, especially after 2008. A lot of developers, single family developers, they went bankrupt. They didn't get any help whatsoever. Uh, not the kind of help, not even like 10% of the kind of help that the federal government extended post pandemic, nothing. So people were slow to get back into the business and building homes, right? So there is that scarcity as well. Uh, and then there is NIMBYism, right? I mean, a lot of people don't, a lot of cities don't want that all the development. So all these coupled, um, the net result is unaffordable housing and people's um, incomes are not keeping up with the raising mm -hmm. costs of the ownership. And also you take the property taxes, insurance, energy, everything is just so expensive nowadays. So That's true. renting is the new American dream and, and just living your life on your terms. This is ironic because I, I, well, I don't know if it, our irony is the great word, but uh, years ago in 2008, when the, uh, when the, uh, you know, I owned a mortgage company for 20 years before that <laughs> until 2008. <laughs> uh, we don't all know what happened then. Uh, and, uh, you know, people would always, the, the rule in the business was people always default on their credit cards, but they would never default usually on their home payment because you got a place to sleep at night. Absolutely. And that was kind of like the rule of the business for, you know, 20 years and probably before I got in the business, you know, people, you know, there would be special mortgages that we would have for people who always made their mortgage payment on time and never defaulted on that. 
but they, you know, they would let everything else go, and there would still, you know, it's like if you if you held on to that one main uh, thing, the mortgage payment, you you'd, you'd at least have a shot at something. Um, and when the w- with the banks, I started consulting with after business started going down. Uh, I remember walking into a place in Santa Monica, a bank in Santa Monica, and I was in their uh, back office, and we were talking, and they go, uh, "Yeah, we just got another bag of Jingle Mail." And I'm like, what's Jingle Mail? What the hell is Jingle Mail? And they go, well, there's so many people, you know, taking their keys and throwing them in, in the mail, just saying, hell with this. Here's my keys. Take my home. I don't care. My, you know, my investment home, my second, third properties. Um, that they're, that when the uh, Postal Service guy shows up, the, the mail bag jingles. <laughs> and they call it Jingle Mail. And I'm like, wow. are you kidding me and they showed me and i'm like this is extraordinary and then we started seeing the stats that people were keeping their credit cards and their stupid land rovers and crap that they pay overpaid for uh and giving up their homes and i'm like this is extraordinary because this is a shift in in how we look at housing and investments and i don't know and any new generation i don't know what's going on um but basically i i predicted at the time i think you know, we've gone to renter everything, you know, are we going to go to renter homes? And this is the new future where no one's going to really own anything anymore. And of course, pretty much came, it. then came rentable music, you know, Spotify and, and, uh, all those other things. And, you know, no one owns music. And then, you know, it's, I'm just like, holy crap, this is where we're going. And what do you know? Here we are. So, uh, give us an idea. What got you into this business? What got you into real estate? What's your hero's journey or upbringing and, what motivated you to start your own company? Yeah, so I'm originally uh, from India, South India. Mm-hmm. And uh, back home, I did my bachelor's in electronics and communication engineering. I came to U.S. in 2002 mm-hmm. as a student um, to pursue my master's in electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. Once I completed it in 2004, we were just getting out of recession at the time. And then suddenly I find myself in a situation where I came here, but all the jobs went to Asia. Right, entry-level jobs that do right, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, at chips, electrical engineering, VLSI is is a hot topic right now, but not so much back then. So mm-hmm. I ended up pivoting to IT uh, because IT was doing really good, paced really well. So I didn't look back. Uh, I did my 14-year stint with IT, worked uh, for several Fortune 500 companies. There you but go. 2008, when I was in <laughs> Dallas one day, October 2008, I precisely remember as the onset of the great recession, right? So I was going to my work and like every day, uh, 9 a.m. in the morning. And then as I walk through to the, towards the building, I see that uh, there's fire engine there, there's ambulances. And then I ha- started hearing screams and I said, okay, something bad's gonna happen. And I, I went closer. And then I saw people on the floor crying, moaning and all that, right? So something really bad. Okay, what happened there was, they were mass fighting 300 people, laying off 300 people. And these are all older people, like 50s, 60s. And they were working on some outdated technologies that particular company was using. Mm -hmm. And and the reason why they are like in distress is like, who would hire them now? That's all they know. Nobody uses that software anymore, right? Uh Um, So that whole batch was being outsourced and replaced by young chaps who would work on a fraction of what they were paying to them, right? 
I'm not, not here to criticize the policies and practices of a company. Everybody do what they have to do to survive, right? And mm-hmm. to increase their shareholder value. Mm-hmm. But that dawned upon me that, look, we cannot be complacent on our jobs. You know, it can be there today. It can be gone tomorrow. And uh, mm-hmm. I promised myself that, you know, I will not let this happen to me. Mm-hmm. And then started my quest. Uh, I, I was very focused, obviously, right? More on my job and everything. But at the same time, I used my nights and weekends not to watch TV anymore. But rather, I, I was looking for, okay, how else I can generate some income where if I lose, if I were to lose my job, I won't be on the floor crying. Right. So then I found real estate and then I started out small by doing some single family homes and then acquired about 20 of those uh, in DFW. And I was them myself by 2015. I found myself in a position where I'm bringing in more income with my rental homes, cash Mm. flow, my rental homes than what I'm bringing from my day job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I felt really comfortable and that, look, even if me and my wife were to lose our jobs, lose our jobs, the mortgage which get, will get paid, the Netflix will get paid, <laughs> we can eat. Uh, so that's good. Right. Then uh, I just want to see what else I can do from here. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, started buying apartments, existing apartments, workforce apartments. So these are built in 60s, 70s, 80s, neglected and all that, right? So we went there. In in other words, basically, I was flipping apartment complexes. We don't use the word flipping because it's not done three to six months, but rather two to three years. Okay. Fully renovate, upgrade the apartments, increase the rents, increase the income, and sell it for a profit and hold it for cash flow. Either or, right? So. That is what I was doing. And then that is when I started syndicating. Then I started bringing in my network as my investors, where I'm the general partner, where I find these apartments, raise money, arrange the debt, do all the work. But the passive investors, they just invest their money and get their cash flow and their appreciation. Because now I'm in kind of a big boys league. Each property, my very first property was $3.5 million. I needed a $1.2 million down payment, which I wasn't liquid like that at the time. So I raised money and then I did a second one and third one ended up eventually buying about 3,600 units. And that business was fine until COVID. But after COVID, uh, what I quickly realized is that the workforce... Uh, that is the folks who makes, let's say, forty to seventy-five thousand dollars of household income. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um, were doing fine until 2019, but after that, I mean, they got disproportionately hit. These folks usually don't have bank balances, right? I mean, they don't have emergency funds and all that. And suddenly, when the whole world shuts down on them, they immediately got into distress. Mm-hmm. So I saw the writing on the wall. But then government stepped in and helped everybody tremendously. So I called the peak on this thing and sold pretty much almost everything, 95% of everything at the peak of the market by 2021 before the interest rates went out. I did not predict the interest rates will go up, but what I saw was who's hurting and who's doing well. Uh Income inequality just widened like crazy uh, after federal government printed all those dollars and just left it on on people all Mm -hmm. the money started ending up in the top two quintiles of the population while the bottom quintiles even though they had a surge in savings for a little while but then again they're worse off right now so when Mm -hmm. i saw that i saw the writing on the wall and exited that workforce housing and chose to okay now i'm going to cater to the top two quintiles of the population by building class a apartments why because houses are just so expensive now yeah like 30 40 50 percent more to own than to rent never before 
in the history of the time in United States where the gap was so different. So for me, that was a slam dunk coupled with the demographic, changing demographics and what they really want. So that's my transition. And now I'm building about 2,500 units, uh, 1,700 units actively and and the rest of them in uh, pipeline. There you go. And it it shows here on your company profile on the website, I don't know if this is fully current, but $611 million in assets under management. That is correct. That is after selling our properties, uh, the 3,600 units. Um, So yeah, transactions of 900 million and about 600. After selling the 3,600 units, uh, we still have $611 million under management. Wow, man. And that's awesome. So what do you do for people on your website? Do you help investors? Do you help people learn how to correct. invest in real estate? Let's uh, talk about again, that. my background is IT. So the most, about, I would say about 60, 65, uh, two thirds of my investors are IT professionals who can relate well with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris, here's what happens with IT people. They get paid really well, right? I mean, mm-hmm. anywhere between, I would say, a, even a junior percent gets paid $100,000, which is well about um, U.S. household income, right? All the way into 300s, 400s, 500s. So these people are really good at what they do, but it's very taxing, right? Once you spend that eight hours in an IT job, your your brain is fried for the day, right? You, you Last thing you want to do is to think about investments and all those things, right? Uh-huh. So we kind of, uh, we're good at our jobs, but we kind of neglect our personal finances. And I was, yeah. I was one of them, right? Because uh, every time um, when it's time to allocate funds in your 401k, mm-hmm. uh, I used to go to 401k and just sort out all the funds available. And, and I, I used to pick up last uh, the top four funds which performed well last year, I don't even care who which that is, right? I sorted them out, check, 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 25% each. Oh, I'm diversified, hit enter, I'm done. That's, that's the way I used to invest because mm-hmm. I don't want to spend any of my mental capacity on this person finance because I had enough at the work, right? Mentally taxing work. And that is not the way to build wealth. Right. That is definitely not the way to build wealth. And and that is the message I give to my investors and that it resonates with them because they feel that, yep, I'm guilty of that, too. So I got to do better. Right. So that's why. And then, you know, Andrew Carnegie back into 1920s itself said that 90 percent of the millionaires in this country are made out of real estate. Right. Because oh, you, cannot, yeah. you cannot mess with it. Right. It's not a stock that you can buy this morning and sell this evening and all that. Once you make an investment, you're pretty much tied up and and you don't get to mess with it. You let it grow. And every year it's costs more to build something, right? I mean, it's the inflation, the inflation, Mm -hmm. the labor, the material and everything. So the fact that you cannot mess with it on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis, let it grow um, and, and makes you a millionaire. Slowly, it's it's not like a Bitcoin where you can be millionaire next week or a pauper the the day after, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's tried and tested. Real estate is the way to go, and I, I have my niche. I don't want to do anything and everything in real estate. I, my niche is Class A apartments. Definitely, it doesn't have that volatility. You know, it seems like you know it, it's things you can do that are high risk. There's more volatility, and yeah. and uh, you're right. What like Warren Buffett says, you know, invest for the long term. Yeah. Play it out long wise. You know, we've had uh, one of the billionaire investors who runs one of the big hedge funds on the thing. And he's like, you know, just buy it and hold it. If you try and game the market sometimes and, 
and try and catch, you know, different little sort of uh, things that go viral, then, you know, you're probably going to end up screwing it up. Uh, and so this brings up a lot of good things. So to, on the website, you've got several different things I'm looking at on how investors or potential investors can can look at to working with. You've got join, learn, invest, enjoy in what you call the Investors Club. Uh, give us a deep dive on that, if you would. Yeah, like I was saying, right? So uh, most of my investors, uh, I would say two-thirds are IT professionals, and the rest of them are usually physicians, doctors, mm -hmm. which are more or less in the same boat, and mm -hmm. then uh, very busy uh, business owners who doesn't have anything else, uh, time for anything else other than running their day-to-day -day business, right? So these are the three kinds of investors, and I have some retirees too, uh, who invest with me. Uh, mm -hmm. What I try to do is to articulate as clearly as possible on why we are doing this and what we are doing this. Mm. And one example I often give them is like, let's say you teleport back into, let's say early March, 2020, somebody bought stock, somebody bought invested uh, with me in let's say an apartment complex, right? And then the pandemic rolled in, the person who bought in the stock, the fear took over and he sold his stock because market dived like 30% or something like that, right? So. Yeah the person the fear comes in on an average investor and they sold their stock only to see that stock skyrocket in like next couple of months right well mm -hmm. too late right you, you sold your stock for loss but the guy who invested in in real estate he can't do that right so basically he has to swallow his fear and then we came up super top on that so that is what i'm talking about right an average investor is consumed by fear and greed and if they turn on the TV and if they see that, oh, you know what, everything is going up, okay, let's buy at the top, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the fear, same thing, right? So you can't do that in real estate. You, you're not, you'll not be able to do that in real estate. And that is how I grow uh, investors' equity, right? Yep. And what I also share with them is the, how when we build something, we are adding value to the dirt, right? I mean, we, when we got there, it's just dirt, right? And then we build a structure and we create homes. And then um, that is how we make our margin. We don't buy something and just hope and pray uh, like it gets, you know, uh, it'll appreciate and all that. Appreciation is always welcome. But my kind of investing, right, when we build these apartments or even take a patch of land and do a hard, uh, and take it through the city, get it entitled and sell it in parcels, this is all work. We actually mm -hmm. work uh, and put our elbow grease into it, so to speak, to create the value for our shareholders. There. So this there is the go. learning part that I want my investors to know. And then I go about, okay, not all states are created equal, not all markets are created equal, right? So that's what that, that is when I hone in on, okay, how to pick the markets, where you want to invest. How, how do you pick the sub-markets and why? Uh, basically, I chase affluent tenants, as simple as that. And the reason is oh. these folks are not rent burdened. So if mm -hmm. you pay more than 30% of your gross income in housing, then you're considered rent burdened or mortgage uh -huh. burdened, right? Mm -hmm. So we look for the people who are at 20, 22%. Why? Because they oh. have so much more to spend before they get rent burdened, right? Yeah. Uh, my expenses go up, my taxes go up or insurance, that's fine. I'll be able to pass it on to the tenant and they won't mind paying that, mm -hmm. right? But as opposed, I mean, if I go after this workforce tenant who's already rent burden, they're, forget about 30%, they're already paying 40, 50% on the rent. And even if I send $50 increase in the rent, 
they're just already stressed now they'll yeah. just move away uh just leave you leave you uh, or even worse uh they might stay there for two three months and not pay the rent and leave and this is happening right this is happening and i saw the writing on the wall back in 2001 and and exited at the right time so this mm -hmm. is the learning that i give to my investors so there's webinars that i conduct for them and then one-on-one -on -one, they, they set up time with me so that not everybody knows all this right i mean they're busy at their job but it's my job to understand the macroeconomics microeconomics especially uh, my neighborhoods and what's happening here um and then share that education with them and make and hopefully make them a better investor there you go what, what are the best sort of prospects of people who want to invest with you what's what does their profile look like and how are they fit if they're out there listening to the uh, they, these folks are um, most majority of my investors are let's say between nine uh, 30 and 65 um, mm -hmm. and there are some outliers but usually that's the people and these are people who have uh, who have jobs and they have some capital formation already and they've mm -hmm. been messing with stocks um, and not to have much success. Uh, and they're basically tired of this roller coaster, right? I mean, up, down, up, down. And it's like, I mean, how long can you take it, right? I mean, we are humans and we have emotions and everything. And people who are just tired and, and want to focus on better things in life and want to invest passively and don't have to worry about it. And they understand that it's not a Tesla stock to double like in a week or a month. Right. I mean, they understand that, but they will get there slowly. Those, that is the profile of the people, not young people are like still into Bitcoins, cryptos and all those things. I don't get a lot of young investors like in their early 20s and all that. But usually uh, once people become mature, about 30 to 65, that is the profile uh, and they're everywhere. And my investors are pretty much in every state, but mostly concentrated in Texas because most of these projects are Texas. And we get uh, quite many investors from California, um, Chicago, Jersey, New York. And one other thing, Chris, is people who own real estate in some of these states, like they can't even evict a tenant. You know, uh, you need yeah. you need to do business where the state state don't see you as an enemy, right? Uh -huh. I mean, actually, I operate in markets where um, the state recognizes that you know how valuable we are, who provides housing to all our citizens, right? So we'll be able mm -hmm. to evict our tenants and also friendly. I mean, that's all we are talking about. I mean, we they don't have to do anything for us. It's like, look, if they don't pay, we should be able to evict them. It shouldn't take yeah. a, a six to 12 months to evict. should take about 30 days to evict, mm -hmm. right? And that is the areas where I operate. And a lot many people can say that, like my California investors said that, look, I just sold all my homes. I, I can't <laughs> deal with no more. Uh, what opportunities do you have, right? So yeah. I put in there and I don't have to worry about it. There are definitely places that are more friendly to, uh, you know, tenants that don't pay their rent or uh, landlords who are trying to foreclose or, or do stuff. And yeah. Uh, and it looks like you have a lot of properties in Texas. Texas seems to be a good growing place for everything these days. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially yeah. not Dallas. Right. I mean, uh, I, so there are a couple of counties here in Dallas, DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth Metro has 7.8 million population. Mm -hmm. And we get about 300 new people coming into our Metro on a daily basis. Wow. But it's about a 10 county area. If you even look count the peripherals, but 50% of all this inbound migration is coming mm -hmm. in only into two counties, Collin County and Denton County. That's it. 
50%, and the remaining eight counties split the other 50%. And guess where I'll be? I'm focused? Those two counties, Collin County and Denton County. There you and go. This is, these are affluent counties. This is where, let's say, for example, Toyota, after 100, 150 years, I mean, they, they moved from California uh, to Texas. Where they came? They came into Collin County. Right. And then so did uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, Liberty Mutual and even PGA. After so many years in, in um, Florida, they came to Frisco, which is in uh, Collin County. Right. So mm -hmm. this is where I want to focus, where you have high income jobs, white collar jobs. Uh, but still, the real estate is just so expensive, so expensive. Uh, like, for example, Frisco. Right. Um, an apartment complex I can buy for two hundred fifty thousand dollars a door. But a home, median home, will be like about $650,000, $700,000, right? Wow. And go upwards, upwards from there, right? Mm -hmm. So you see the difference, right? $250,000 for apartment complex versus like six, dollars $700,000 uh, to buy a home. How many people can afford that six, dollars $700,000 entry-level home? If you want yeah. a nice home with 3,000 square feet, all that, we're talking a totally different number, like north of a million, right? So yeah. that is where I want to provide housing via class A apartments to those who really want to live in that place gives access to their kids to all those nice schools, amenities these rich cities provide, but they just simply cannot afford to buy there. And they can come and rent with me and now they are, you know, all they, they have all this available to them. So that is there you go. And uh, it, 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 I, I'd seen that uh, Dallas uh, is seventh on the uh, list of places the top 10 destinations for people that are moving to in 2022 uh houston was uh, was uh second uh and uh or i'm sorry in number one spot for the second year in a row in houston and then san antonio number nine and austin 10 so basically four of the top 10 cities people are moving to are in texas so it kind of tells you where things are going i remember when las vegas uh, used to be the big thing everyone was people was moving to, but now it seems like people people like that Texas. Plus, I think the I, I don't know if your summers are as bad as Vegas, but uh, I think they're it's not as bad as Vegas. Uh, yeah. Like this is uh, once in a while we get about forty days, hundred degree days, but Vegas mm -hmm. is like it's yeah, totally crazy. different, right? I mean, it's like I mean, you get grilled over there, right? Yeah, yeah we do for about three months of the year. We fry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But yeah, the, the draw for Dallas is, first of all, the geography, right? I mean, especially like like I was talking, ID people who travel for their work. Guess what? Mm -hmm. If you live in Dallas, it's two, two and a half hours in any which direction, right? So all the people, affluent people who travel for their work, you know, Dallas is the place to be. And then what happens is we don't have state income tax, which can be pretty pretty big that is right? awesome, man. so that is uh that is good and if you stay in a, a apartment forget about it. you don't even have property taxes we do have higher property taxes but then again if you live in an apartment complex heck there's no property tax well you just pay your rent and yeah. that rent is in line with any other metro uh it's yeah. not like okay uh rents in texas are higher because there is no income tax nothing like that so you if go. you're a renter you can have your cake and eat it too there right? you go. So that that is the draw here, and also the business is fiercely business friendly, right? Fiercely business friendly, and every day, every week, we have see somebody is coming here, and we have plenty of land. The day we run out of land is when the growth will stop, and that won't happen anytime soon. That's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> there's there's a lot of empty land in Texas. Absolutely, it's a, it's a huge state. 
Uh, so this is pretty good. Well, we have a new segment we're doing on the show, and uh, we, we're calling it, uh, I don't think we have a name for it, do we? But basically, we're going to ask our guests uh, five questions, and mm -hmm. you usually find this coming at the end of the show, folks. So you always want to watch the end, but we may surprise you and put it close to the middle like I'm doing today. Uh, and it's helped us get to know our guests better, but to also, uh, you know, uh, have, have some fun here. So we've got five questions we're going to ask you and, uh, and, and just give us whatever your, sure. your thoughts are, but, uh, it, there is a bit of a penalty phase here. So, uh, if you answer any of the five incorrectly, you're likely to be thrown in what we call the Chris Voss show podcast gulag, where you have to eat the uh, gulag goulash from the Chris Voss show. I don't know what that means. Our guest in the prior show came up with that. So we like the gulag goulash and uh, you will not be returning home to your family and, uh, and uh, wife. Now we've had some people that have thrown the guest questions so they don't have to go home to their family. Uh, and we do not allow that either as well. So try and answer the questions as best you can sure. as well. So if you're ready, here we go. Uh, the first question, is it better to be smart or lucky? You can only choose one. I would say smart. Okay, so we're going smart. That's your final answer? That's right. All right, there you go. Uh, is cereal a soup or a salad? <laughs> it's more of a soup. Is it? Yeah, because it's liquid and all that, yeah. All right, that's your final answer? Yes, sir. All right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put that one down in the docket there. And uh, should socks be worn inside out for good luck? Hmm. No, I don't do that. <laughs> so I would say that I'm stickler. I'm a little OCD on things. So right. yeah, I want to wear it proper way. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We have a definitive authority on that then. Uh, is it acceptable to eat pizza with a fork and knife? Absolutely not. Absolutely uh, maybe not. Chicago uh, deep dish. Uh, I don't know if you can call it a pizza, but yeah, I mean, the regular New York pizza has to be enjoyed with hand. That's true. I think we accept that answer, judges. It's kind of a pie, that Chicago deep dish. But yeah. other than that, you need to use your hands. Uh, and is it appropriate to wear a Halloween costume every day? Like some people accuse me of looking like a clown or somebody scary every day. At least the kids, you know, they point at me at the store and go, look at that, mommy. <laughs> hey, look, life is short, man. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever <laughs> makes you happy. So, judges, final tally. There you go. You win. You win. Right. Ben Cat, I apologize. You're going to have to return to your family. You do not get any of the gulag goulash of the Chris Fosho podcast. So there you go. Uh, so thanks for participating in that. And uh, my audience for watch for future shows. We'll use it as a bit. Uh, and uh, give us your final thoughts, your final pitch on people you want to have uh, work with you. Go to your website, join your investor club, invest with you. And uh, any final thoughts from you, sir? Yeah. Hey, look. Everybody has to pay attention to what's going on in the world. A lot's happening in very short time, and especially in the last three years, right? So we got independence in 1776. It took 250 plus years to build up to $7 trillion in M2 wow. money supply. That's all the money, right? At the mm -hmm. onset of Great Recession. Fast forward 15 years, short 15 years, and our money supply tripled. Yeah. Tripled from 7 to 21. And all that money is flushing into anything and everything, right? The homes become expensive. They're buying up all the private businesses. They're buying up all the hospitals and all that. Look, you, we can sit here and complain about all that or join it, right? So or join it. What I chose to do 
if you are on the sidelines, guess what's happening, right? The money that we have in our hand is losing its value by the second until it's worth nothing. So mm -hmm. we have to jump and grab those dollars that Fed is printing and throwing into the world, so to speak, just to be graphic, right? And whoever does that better um, with discipline will win in this thing because otherwise everything that you care and need in this life is getting expensive. Your kid's education, a home, a medic medical services, everything is ex just expensive. So yeah. my message to all the you know wonderful people out there is pay attention, invest, and just just educate yourself and invest. And it's not over. It's going to get a lot worse right, right now because yeah. we are paying a trillion dollars. The federal government this year will bring in $5 trillion in tax revenue. One trillion is going to interest payments. 800 billion is going to defense. So it's now more than defense. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to print more dollars. It's just a matter oh, of time, geez. right? So position yourself. Otherwise, you know, you'll be left out. That is all my message. And, and my, the choice I took is to build class A apartments and be of use to the community and get rich in the process along with my investors. You, there you go. That's all I got to say. There you go. Now give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Yeah, striker, S-T-R-Y-K-E-R, properties.com. There you go. Thank you very much, sir, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Very insightful, and we'll look forward to your success, future success. I mean, you're already being successful. There you go. More of Thank it. <laughs> thank, you, thanks, thank you and thanks to my audience for tuning in as always refer the show to your family friends and relatives we just started a new five question bit that's funny as hell if that doesn't get you to refer the show to your family and friends what more do you want from me people jesus <laughs> go to goodreads.com for says chris foss linkedin.com for says chris foss youtube.com for says chris foss and chris foss uh one at tiktok thanks for tuning in be good to each other's and invest in your future we'll see you guys next time and that should have us out.